Hey guys, this is Doug. Thanks for listening to What's the Hazard. I want to recognize our incredibly generous sponsors, Cheyenne Wolford of Custom Concrete Specialists, John Fallowich, Fallowich Construction Services, Jim Cover, Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group, Danny Arroyo, WorkSafe Consulting, and Building Omaha, a collaboration between the Nebraska Electrical Contractors Association and the IBEW. Thank you, one and all. You are true believers in workplace safety and health, and I appreciate you. All right, let's get into today's episode. It is Friday. Uh, what is it? September 2nd. 2nd. Friday, September 2nd. We are starting Labor Day weekend, Ooh, which yeah. is absolutely appropriate for today. Um, I'm Doug Fletcher. This is Chris Bryant, and you're listening to What's the Hazard? And um, I am really excited. I um, have been looking forward to this week, so thanks for being to. here, man. Yeah. Always appreciate it. You know, uh, I have a son who is a, was a philosophy major. And he told me one time, I don't know who told him, I don't know if Seneca or Epictetus or one of these guys actually told him or he just read it maybe. Sure. Um, that you are the product of the five people that you spend the most time with. Mm. You as a person, you you know, you are a reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm fully buying into that. I buy into it too, man. Yeah. And so I need to spend more time with you. <laughs> <laughs> I am serious. Every time I see you, you lift me up. So, oh man, thank you. That's the best compliment I can probably pay anyone. But I always enjoy your company. You always have great information to share. Yeah. And so, thanks again for being here. A couple of things before we get started. I want to shout out to our buddy yeah. Jeff Lucas up at uh, Lincoln Premium Poultry. Yeah. Um, Chris did some fantastic training for them. Has Whopper training yeah. they were thrilled um i every time you train one of my clients they give rave reviews so i am inc- incredibly grateful for that I, I appreciate that because i want my clients to have everything they need to be successful and you've been a big part of that and uh jeff was kind enough to give us these great shirts i know a couple of shirts and hoodies fantastic but part of the team man part of the team yeah. i know it's I mean, nice he doesn't want us showing up without wearing those shirts <laughs> i know it's really it's actually fantastic. And so that Haswhopper training leads us into the topic, man. We are talking about preparedness. We are. September is National Preparedness Month. Yeah. Uh, if you were not aware, it's an important topic to be aware of. And it and it transcends almost every aspect of our lives. We normally talk about occupational issues and sure. things like that. We'll and talk about that today, too. Yeah, yeah, of course, preparedness, you know, has an occupational element, but also a personal element. You know, a community element, you name it, um, it, it, it covers everything. So I'm excited to talk. You brought a bunch of stuff to share with us and talk about. I know this is something that is near and dear to you. It is very near and dear to me. I don't know. You know, you're talking about the five people that you hang around and who you become. I'm trying to, now I'm sitting here thinking about who that might be. <laughs> who I hang and, out with and who, and who made, I'm going to eliminate. And who, and who made me that way, you know? But, you know, when I was here the first time, I think it was episode 64, the title of that one. It's just audio, but it was like Chris Bryant Believes Do You. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you wanted to talk a lot about about what I had done uh, in my career and different right. things that I've done. And I go back and I look at that at time, whether it was a, being a bomb tech in the Navy, you know, a diver or an air marshal or a section chief for the Corps of Engineers doing environmental cleanup. All of these roles, for some reason, and I don't know why, because I'm only about five foot five and a half on a tall day, uh, <laughs> and barely 150 pounds. But for some reason, I have fulfilled this role throughout my life of these three principles, and they all start with P, and that is prepare, 
uh, provide and protect. Mm-hmm. And if you take a look at being the bomb tech guy, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, a, a guy that goes out looking for trouble. I'm the one that's trying to protect everybody from, from the trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the air marshal, same thing. That was a, you know, it was mostly a bit counterterrorism, but mostly anti-terrorism, but flying those not so friendly skies after nine 11 mm-hmm. and, and the, the four or five years that I did that, it was really that, that prepare, be ready on these flights. Anything can happen. Let's not let this happen again. Like nine 11 and, uh, provide a service to keep our skies open mm-hmm. and then, uh, protect people. And yeah. then the same thing, whether it was environmental cleanup or doing some industrial hygiene stuff like that, the sampling mm-hmm. or looking for the environmental factors is you got to prepare for that. You know, you did your everyday carry right. bag episode not long ago, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Uh, it was your go bag. It mm-hmm. was your your everyday what I need to be able to go out and perform and do this job do to my thing, right. provide these services. You have to prepare the night before you get all that stuff set up right. and then you get out there and, and get all these measurements and get this data to protect people. Mm-hmm. So we're always in this, you know, this uh, prepare, provide and protect. And for me, it just doesn't stop at work. Right. Of course. It, it, I carry You know, it's a, it's a way of life for me. And um, it can be a bit obsessive as well, too, because <laughs> once you get it down, go down this rabbit hole, you, you're always in this mindset. I was like, I'm not prepared enough. Yes. I'm not prepared enough. I'm not prepared. Enough. What, so what it's should always I be the doing? Next thing, right. you know? <laughs> so, but, you know, part of that is we don't know what the emergency or the disaster or the issue is going to be, uh, you know, that's part of this preparedness month. The FEMA has posted a website, ready.gov. It's, it's actually really good. Is it? I mean, people should go check it out. They've got like a 30 day plan to give you some objectives of mm-hmm. every day of what you can accomplish to be a little bit more prepared for. And then they call out, you know, natural disasters or just times sure. of chaos and, and emergency. Um, and so there's some great tips in there too, but mm-hmm. I like, you know, me, and I think that's one of the reasons when people give you good feedback, when I train is this, even though I might be there to talk about how to do a spill cleanup and let's prepare and provide everybody the training that they need and provide them with the proper gear and then get them in the right mindset or the psychology mm-hmm. of safety yeah, yeah. to be able to go in the building when everybody else is running out of the building. Mm-hmm. And so that's a lot in my, in the way I look at it in preparedness is it's not just physical things but it's also where are you at up here mm-hmm. are you that flight are you that fight mm-hmm. and when you take folks that don't do this every day it's easy to talk to people that go out and do epa super fun cleanups i mean you're in the suits and the respirators every day right i mean that's your job you're right. going to show up every day five six days a week whatever the schedule is and you're going to be in this super geared up mode because you're in mm-hmm. a toxic dump but what about the guys that do the spill and the gals that do the spill response? That's not their job. I mean, it's right. like a collateral duty. And for them to be able to switch gears into everything else they train for, whether it's a tornado drill or it's a, a maybe active shooter protocols that your mm-hmm. employer has in place, to get them to somehow flip that switch to instead of that run, hide, fight type thing, they just skip the run and hide. That's They go fight. Mm-hmm. They go fight that spill. They go fight that cleanup. They go fight that um, the problem, that, that, that emergency. Right. And right. to do that, you, to do it safely, you've got to prepare. Right. And, um, you know, mindset's a lot of it. So the, wow, that the, is such an interesting point, man, because we are asking people who don't do this on a daily basis to rise to the occasion you know, yeah. maybe once in their lifetime, once in, in a year, once in a lifetime, whatever that might be. And so you can't really 
prepare them enough. You can't really train enough. I mean, OSHA establishes some bare minimums. Sure they do. That we try to comply with, but... There's some strongly mm-hmm. worded language in there, not just of what the curriculum needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when uh, Jeff called and said, I want these types of roles fulfilled on my emergency team. I had to go dig into that standard because some of these roles I had not taught in a while. Mm -hmm. And I had to go back and make sure that I was getting the minimum requirements in there to fulfill the minimum requirements for them to get the certificate to hold in there. But there's some strongly worded language within the standard about practicing. Mm-hmm. It's not just this knowledge of sitting in the classroom and listening to me tell stories right. uh, and giving you the content, but it's getting out and actually putting on the suits. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, for the spill response folks, if we're going to talk about Haswopper in the 24 hour, it's not even required for them to even suit up. Mm-hmm. But I, you know how terrible I would feel that uh, if you have the gear available to not at least put the people in it. Right. Number one, they got to know what they're doing. Nothing's more right. embarrassing than you're out there working with this crew and the safety director walks by and they're all fumbling around and don't know how to hook up their supply air respirator and their, their emergency bottle. And I was like, Oh my Lord, this is uh, not good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at a minimum, y'all, you have got to know your gear. Right. You call that PPE. I don't call that respirator PPE. I call that life support equipment. <laughs> right, exactly. It's life support equipment. Yeah. So knowing the gear, uh, but mainly thing is getting their head wrapped around it. So I throw a lot of psychology of safety mm-hmm. in there as well, not just the knowledge skill aspect. You know, the, the three fundamentals of adult learning and training is knowledge, skill, and attitude. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people work on the attitude. Right. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And plus, I always give them a lot of little extra stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Back home, we call that lanyap. Lanyap. <laughs> it's like that 13th donut in a dozen. You know, <laughs> right. it's that little extra something that, you know, I try mm-hmm. to add to the training that they're not going to get. And you'd be amazed after training, people will text me or call and they'll say, hey, man, I was just in your class. You might not remember me. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. And he's like, I've got this problem. I've got a relative that's threatening my family. This disgruntled with us and I'm out of town all the time. And my wife's there with our infant child and I'm afraid he's going to bust through the door. He goes, what, what do I need to do? I'm like, sir, you, first of all, you need to build a safe room. Mm-hmm. And so I will spend hours on the phone coaching people mm-hmm. along on how, where's the best place? How do you construct it? What is it? What needs to be in there? Uh, test it for signals for cell phone have some kind of self-defense weapon, whether or not your spouse is comfortable with a firearm or not. If not, then, hey, we can come up with other things. Right. A big couple of cans of bear spray, if that's what it takes. Absolutely. Whatever. But these people are not just wanting safety and preparedness at work. They want it at home, Most definitely, yeah. And so I was really thrilled the other day. You came out to have lunch with me. Yes. We had a great day, man. Yeah. Out at your place. came out to the country, and we... uh, (laughs) We ate at the only restaurant in town. <laughs> Which was fantastic. Well, you know, you were testing all the pork tenderloins, and I hope that was uh, up, It was up, a good one. Yeah, it was, it was in far. the top ten. But then we I went out it. to the homestead. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I really wanted to kind of show you around because you hear me talk about this mm-hmm. stuff quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And it's always so much easier once you get eyes on. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for taking a picture of my chickens, man. I'm proud of them. They were fantastic, man. They were fan- And they were very hospitable. They were very welcoming. Well, they're very hospitable because up front here, I got <laughs> right. you a dozen eggs, farm fresh, right off the homestead. Oh, so take those home with you. I, lo- I appreciate that. My wife is out of town this weekend. <laughs> I'm gonna, That's going to be three meals for me probably. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. But that, that's exactly right. We, You know, I think we talk a lot about 
occupational preparedness, HAZWOPER, emergency action plans, fire prevention plans, preventive maintenance, even those kind of things, you know, preparedness. Yeah. Um, but personal preparedness, that covers a lot of territory. It does. And you know? I know that you're an advocate of that. I, I am to I some degree, I mean, not to the extent that you have done this, well, but you're, you're, but I do believe in the three P's. Sure. You know, I think that that's almost like it's almost inherent in you, perhaps. If that I don't is know your, how you can be a safety professional and not believe in those three principles. Yes, I would agree. And I tell people all the time, I says, you know what? If you truly believe in what you do, and you know, we say this all the time, especially when I'm around, you know, we're true believers. True I'm believers. a true believer. Yep. Aaron's a true believer who was yep. here on the 4th of July podcast, which yep. was a lot of fun. Thank you. Um, but I tell people, I'm like, how do you just flip that switch off when you go home? And I'm like, some people might ridicule me and go, well, Chris, man, he's just a, he's a prepper. I'm like, hey, man, how can you not be? How mm-hmm. can you not be prepared for uh, these videos that I show in training classes all the time about uh, the water table and, and water treatment plant in Charleston, West Virginia, getting contaminated. And those people were standing in line for over a month mm-hmm. with milk jugs to get water, just to brush their teeth. Right. Or the, like, where my was family's the, not going to stand in line. Where was the flooding just like last week, Mississippi or something? Wasn't there just horrible Jackson, flooding? Mississippi Jackson, Mississippi. Ridiculous right now. Right. No water. No water. Those people no are, they're, 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 they're in a mess mm-hmm. literally yeah. uh, from the environment. But personally within their lives being able to uh provide and protect why are they in a mess they didn't prepare they forgot the first p right and that's what this podcast is about we've got to get this mindset and i encourage everyone to get out to that ready.gov but there's so many other things out there you know Mm -hmm. i tell you one of my my favorite videos and channels that i watch really is preserving food uh, mainly because, well, I'm tired of my grocery bill being so high right now. <laughs> right. And, uh, no doubt, and you can, all this stuff that you see in front of you is all dehydrated. This is, these are elderberries and these are elderberries off of our seven elderberry bushes. And this is stuff that's all come from your home, all Everything come from your garden, your homestead. Came out of our seven gardens that I walked yeah, around. Which yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. And so like some of these things, like this is a lot of people don't like to eat greens, like spinach and collard greens. So I just dehydrate them grind them up into a powder and you could sprinkle them in the eggs and make, you want to talk about green eggs and ham. That's mm. how you make green eggs. You put <laughs> right. these greens that are just powdered up. Yep. Well, what I really do is I have these capsules here and I have a capsule filling machine. And did you know, you cannot f- buy a capsule filling machine off of uh, it's just a little plastic widget. Mm-hmm. You cannot buy it on Amazon or eBay. They won't they, sell them. They're, they're prohibited. They don't, they don't like that idea. Stuff. Oh, so I had to go out to some other place and order these capsules and, I, mm-hmm. and they just go in this little thing and I put it's this just a gelatin powder. capsule, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's made out of rice. It's is a it? vegan capsule. Okay. You know, and so whatever, I think it's made out of rice, but gluten-free, yeah. non-GMO, it's kosher certified. There's a thousand of them in here. And I just put these in that little machine and I put that powder in there. And then I do that with these blackberries and mulberries. Mm-hmm. So I try to make like three different capsules that people might want to supplement mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. diet with especially if they don't like to eat greens right you know and so um give them a shot if you think it is it's a good way to get some fiber it's a good way to get all these vitamins and nutrients and so you and have pretty quick yeah your place is fantastic man i loved the day we spent <laughs> out at your place i i just like being i, I was just in chicago last weekend as we discussed that's I, the opposite of i do life. not like the city man i'm <laughs> right. just you know i probably tolerated it more as a younger person. Sure. But 
the older I get, the the further from people I need to be, it seems, you know, and it's not that I dislike people. I love people. Oh, I love people. We have too. dedicated our lives to protecting people, but, but sometimes um, I need to take a break from the I buzz. I need a little break. The buzz yes. of the city. Exactly. I mean, when I drive out and start heading that way, and once I get beyond the power plant at Mid-America, I can feel my heart rate going down. Mm-hmm. I can feel my blood pressure going down. I yeah. can feel this sense of calmness that comes over me to just head out to that spa every night yeah. and get back out there. It is and then I come in here and make city money. Yeah. And I go live country cheap. So <laughs> I, I try that, to. I love that. I try to. Well, so talk know? a little bit about what you do, what you've brought, and then where those of us that aren't at this level yet, what, sure. what we should be doing. What, I mean, what's most important? Where should we start? Well, I think the Jackson, Mississippi thing that you just mentioned is let's start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, one of the most basic fundamental things that you need is to be able to get your hands on a clean water supply. Water, absolutely. And what I do in classes sometimes, just even if, if it doesn't come up in class, I bring it up during a break. I said, you know, next time you're in your favorite department store, take a little trip back to the camping section. They've got these blue five-gallon jugs. Grab one of them. Throw it in the cart. I don't. I don't. I don't even know how much they are. They, you know, it can't been, be much. Probably fifteen years since I've bought them. But um, take that thing home, fill it up with water, and then, like I showed you, under the stairwells of my house, which no one would ever see, mm-hmm. tucked underneath every stairwell are just five-gallon blue jugs of potable clean water. Yeah. Because I even need that where I'm at. If I lose power, then I lose my well pump mm-hmm. and I can't extract well out of the ground, water mm-hmm. out of the ground. So I need backup water supply. Mm-hmm. And that's at a minimum. Now, if you really want to go down the crazy healthy road, I took you over to my water distiller and mm-hmm. you saw that thing running. I'm distilling mm-hmm. water constantly because, well, I just like really clean water. Because the water that we have access to isn't clean. Well, I know here in the Omaha area that uh, if you look it up, we have the third hardest water in the country mm-hmm. because of the limestone and the minerals that seep down into the Ogallala. And, right. and uh, if you ever try to run a humidifier or something around here, you know, it's going to clog up within a month or two. Yeah. It doesn't last the minerals long. And Nothing lasts long. Oh yeah. So, and I showed you the bottom of that water distiller, mm-hmm. you, the, the amount of rock that mm-hmm. I had collected in those bags uh, that I just didn't want to put in my body. But that's kind of getting into the health aspect. But it is a minimum, I would say, just get some of these jugs and fill them up. And then every summer, go dump them out, put a little bit of a little bit of bleach, look up the ratio. It's just a minor bleach solution in mm-hmm. water. Put it in there, let it have some contact time, just like a, a lot of people may brew their own beer. And if you brew your own your beer, you know the hardest part about brewing your own your beer is sanitizing those beer bottles. Mm-hmm. And so it needs contact time with some kind of disinfectant. Most people just use a chlorine bleach. But once a year, take those blue jugs out. Put some water back in it, mix it up with a little bit of chlorine bleach, let it sit for about an hour, have that contact time, and then rinse it out real good. Make sure the odor of bleach is out of it, and then refill it and get them back underneath those stairs. Mm -hmm. You just never know when you're going to need it. And I think water is really one of the things that I think when people think about being prepared or prepping, you know, in a negative context, they're thinking about um, guns and ammunition, weaponry. Sure. And, you know, I don't. And maybe some kind of like uh, uh, like a terrorist attack or something like that. But the likelihood is always going to be some kind of storm-related, weather-related, you yeah. know, flooding, tornado, something like that, where you are, you don't have access to power, you don't have access to water. Right. It might be days. I mean, we hear about power going out even in Omaha, and some neighborhoods don't get service for a week. That's right. 
You know, and it's just a summer cluster that comes. Yeah, this through. is not not a what big deal. Had, two of those derecho things. Right, right. You know, they're basically a heartland hurricane. Mm -hmm. Except <laughs> exactly. it's a straight line wind. Right. But I grew up in hurricane country. You know, Louisiana, Mississippi. So I'm kind of mm -hmm. used to having this and always having some cash because ATMs aren't going to work. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and things like that available to be able to right. go. And hopefully, you've got enough if they don't price gouge you for you know twenty dollars for a bag of ice. Yes. But you know. Uh, I don't want to discount the fact that there could be some kind of civil unrest. There could we, be. We've seen that. Without question. But, you know, really, instead of, you know, and I'm not going to say that I don't have, you know, things in that realm because I do. But you know what I have even better than that? I have a neighbor. And now you may not have mm -hmm. the same neighbor I have, but I, I intentionally bought my house in my property because of who my neighbor was, mm -hmm. which is the county sheriff. Mm-hmm. And we're right next door. Right well, next, not well, next door, but the a, next property. It's a quarter mile down the hill. Yeah. And uh, Hunter, Hunter had a cattle, fields and fields. He's a farmer. Mm -hmm. It's also the sheriff. And he's a friend of mine. And we talk often. We sit together at church. Mm -hmm. um, um, just get to know him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he built my house for his daughter. Mm -hmm. And then she moved into town because there were no kids out there for her kids to play with. And so right. I picked it up and man, what a godsend that was to have a wonderful neighbor. There's nothing worse than bad neighbors. Right. And there's nothing worse than having bad neighbors in a time of need. Absolutely. And so you want to have good neighbors. You want to make friends with your neighbors. You want to be a community minded person. That's a great point. Because you're remember I said in the last podcast, I said, no one's ever going to remember you for what you did for yourself, but they will never forget you for what you did for them. That's mm -hmm. part of that provider mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit of protection. So it's what you're doing for other people and you're going to reciprocate that. It's going to mm -hmm. come back tenfold for you just because of your good heartedness and trying to help people in a time of need, mm -hmm. you know? And so some of us do it with wealth and can write a check to help some folks out. And that's wonderful and great. I ain't got that. But mm -hmm. I tell you what I do, I've got some healthy food and these eggs get delivered to church every Sunday morning and mm -hmm. everybody who needs some help with their grocery bill are more than welcome to take home what they want from mm -hmm. our garden. So yeah, I grow those. You asked me when you were there, you go, what are you going to do with all this food? <laughs> you, had a, you had a lot going on. I out. got a lot of food <laughs> and uh, it's all dehydrated and it's got super long shelf life. But you know what I do is I give it away yeah. or I cook meals. And uh, people don't have to worry about what they're going to eat on a Sunday because mm -hmm. I provide breakfast and I provide lunch after mm -hmm. the church services that we hold uh, down at the community center. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, love to have I you down that. there. I had a guest uh, last weekend, a big safety professional in town, came down. Nice. Yeah. And uh, good, he's good. been a couple of times and I got another safety professional at one of our prominent concrete companies. He's coming with a friend this weekend. No shit. So, Fantastic. you know, a lot of folks come down there like I kind of enjoy your stories and the way you relate things in the world of safety. I'd yeah. like to see how you do that when you're standing up at the pulpit, too. So. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a requirement? No, it's not a requirement. It's just what I do. OK. You know, and so some people come down. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they, they speak. They no, they don't come down. They just listen to me speak. Oh, good. I was going to say. No, they want to come down and see what I got going on down there. Yeah, man. Know? So I started this church on the 4th of July of last year. Yeah. And my first sermon was God's promise to you is freedom. Yeah. And we've been playing off of that theme for quite a while. Very and, good. Um, you know, um, just a bunch of veterans and some uh, I'm from 10 years old to 77. I love it. But either way, no, uh, back to the preparedness, so the preparedness thing, man. Thing, yeah. man. So you do a lot of stuff and you are obviously the stuff that you've put out here. You have prepared, you have purchased and 
and uh, identified things that you think are going to be useful in your preparedness efforts. But you're a student of preparedness, I obviously. Am. I mean, this is not got to be a learner. You have to learn this stuff, right? Uh, well, first of all, you know, there's a lot of people at our our workplaces that are counting on us as safety professionals mm -hmm. as a go-to reservoir of information. Right. And you have to be on top of things because you are their primary consultant, even mm -hmm. though you are their safety officer or safety manager or whatever, uh, you're the go-to person. And how are you going to do that? If you're not reading the latest periodicals, you're right. not keeping a touch on federal, uh, uh, um, the federal register. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, so I talked to a lot of safety folks. I'm like, man, you got to check that federal register. And they're like, I don't even know where that's at. <laughs> I'm like, how do you, that's how our government talks to us. It's our government's daily newspaper of what's right. happening right. at the federal level. And if there's going to be a rule change or there's a, a request for comments Absolutely. or anything like that, they're not going to send you a letter. It's going to be posted there. And right. we got to get people to start tapping in to get this information. That's a and great the same point. thing goes with our preparedness stuff here, too. Mm -hmm. What's the theme? Like this year uh, on ready.gov for this preparedness month, uh, they have a theme. And then you can also look at last year's theme. And they're just basically trying to coach people along to be of mindset. And mm -hmm. I look at it this way, you know, after working for the government as long as you and I did, uh, about 25 years for me, and I think mm -hmm. about the 25 same for years you. for me, yeah. When the government tells you to have three days of food and water, you might want to ramp that up to like three <laughs> months <laughs> right, worth. Exactly. You know? They're so, always the minimum. Government is always the bare minimum. Three <laughs> days? Are you <laughs> right. kidding me? You just said we have power outages yeah. right here in town anytime a storm comes through. Absolutely. And it's not the fault of our incredible power company here. No. Because man, they, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. But, they, you know, they can only do so much. Right. And, that, you know, and depending so on the nature of that incident, they may not be able to do anything. I mean, what if it involves one of the sources of the electricity? What if it involves one of the plants or right? And I've been seeing a lot of people water. just driving off the road, running into buildings, and hitting transformers. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's just from yeah traffic. Yeah. So, so so you you touched on a few things. Water is probably a good place to start. I mean, all of us can do that. Right. You have a have a resource of water, food. Storing canned goods, prepping, preparing your own food, if desiculating you, if food. If you have that op option, a lot of people live in the city, don't have that option to grow food like that. You, you can right. do a little bit, but you're not going to be able to do enough to sustain yourself. But you can certainly put away, I mean, maybe not quite as healthfully, but canned goods and things like that. Hey, man. Non-perishables. Yeah, do it. Stuff like that. Now, mm -hmm. you, they've got people that have the long-term food. You know, you can go buy the buckets and from all the I've, folks. I've seen those advertised. That stuff is super expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. And if you were of means, then by all means, do it. But if you're not, get creative. Right. You know, my wife and I always say to one another, should have paid a little bit more attention when our grandma was canning. <laughs> right. Now we've had to go back and relearn how to do all that. And that's what this big pot is right here. Uh -huh. we, we have this pressure cookie pot, which we could just do a water bath canning. And, and folks, y'all can look all this up on YouTube. People, there's so many people out there that do this and they mm -hmm. got great advice. But uh, I like to conserve propane. That stuff's expensive, and I don't need my stove burner running for an hour when I can put it in this and put a little pressure to it and get mm -hmm. it done in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. It cuts the time in half. So you put so. the jars in there? Yeah. How, how does that work? Uh, basically, it's got a little grate in the bottom that keeps it all from the bottom so mm -hmm. the jars don't get so hot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you put the water in there, and after you've put what you want to can, 
uh, like tomatoes mm-hmm. or tomato mm-hmm. sauce. Like we yeah, you gave me some tomato sauce, man, I gave which you was fantastic. Sauce, yeah. yeah, it was good. And uh, But you, you get that in there, and it's got to be hot, and you boil the jars to make sure they're sanitized, and you fill them up and leave a little bit of headspace, and then just finger tight the, the lid on okay. with the, the cap. And then that pressure is going to get it all up to temperature, and after a certain amount of time, and you need to look this up, in the USDA – the USDA has incredible information about canning. Oh, good. Some things you shouldn't can because mm-hmm. they're just going to spoil. Mm-hmm. There are some things on the no-no list. Okay. And um, you need to look up what they are and make sure they're suitable for canning. But what makes canning work is usually a high acid level. Okay. And so even though like tomatoes have a lot of acid in it, we still put in like a quarter teaspoon of lemon juice okay. in yeah. there. And that, that acid keeps it thing. So it's basically a little chemistry Got a little chemistry experiment going on and a lot of physics going on with heat and pressure. But then when you finally get the minimum requirement, you pull those cans out and the jars out and they'll sit there. And as they cool, you can sit in the living room and you'll hear them in the kitchen. They start popping. They start to cool down and it creates that vacuum. Mm -hmm. And that can, that lid gets sucked down and and it's all good. But I remember, you know, I encourage people to look it up. Canning is a wonderful skill to, to, Mm -hmm. to know, but you know, you're talking about the water and the food and things like that, that really leads to what you really need to be concentrating on. And that's what these books are up here for. It has to do with skills. Mm -hmm. What, what do you know how to do? You know, when I lived in the city and, uh, I didn't have, you know, deer running around everywhere. I always thought to myself, well, I'm like, well, if it's a bad situation, and we've been thrown back into the 1880s because the sun decided to flare and shoot a mass ejection at us mm-hmm. or whatever, and our grid gets fried. I don't want people to know that I'm firing a gun to kill a rabbit. So in the city, I went and bought just a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a gamo silent cat. Mm-hmm. And as long as I had lead-based pellets, it, had a, it was like a silencer. I could shoot squirrels and rabbits, and if you know how to skin them and how to cook them and prepare them, mm-hmm. uh, I could take birds or I could take rabbits that's in the yard, and they're everywhere around here. <laughs> right. And, you know, there's a protein source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, and, and not that I'm encouraging this because they're so loaded in sodium, those cheap ramen packs, not a bad investment for the price. Mm-hmm. It's got about everything you need to get through for a day. Oh, yeah, man. Got some carbs, a lot of sodium, <laughs> right. you know. But even a, ramen, a whole couple of cases of ramen packs would do you some good. Yeah, it's it that, would. It's that, you know, it's that self of uh, that sense of security, mm-hmm. knowing that we've got a little bit tucked away. Kind of like a savings account. That or is a sense your, of security, isn't it? Yeah, like your your retirement savings. There's mm-hmm. a sense of security there. Yeah. And, and you'll sleep better at night right. and not have to worry so much. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, because I do worry about this from time to time as you as you have mentioned that kind of that protective mindset that we all feel toward our families and our friends and community hopefully um it does worry me at times i don't and particularly after you and i have spoken or something i'm like i am grossly unprepared right and so just chipping away little by little it doesn't all have to happen this weekend. Sure, no. But it has to start this weekend. Let's yeah. get started on it this weekend. This is the right weekend to do it. That's what this was. This is what this a month is all about. Exactly. And just starting to piece this stuff together. What, aside from like food, nutritional stuff, what kind of things should we be thinking about? I have a lot of Visqueen plastic sheeting yeah, the at the plastic house. Sheeting, yeah. I, I actually bought it uh, for several reasons. Uh, number one, I could use it to create a little greenhouse. Uh, get an early start on growing some lettuces and greens, early spring crops. If I could just put 
a little framework over it and put some clear visqueen or plastic over the top, mm-hmm. create my own little greenhouse and get some stuff going a little bit earlier than okay. normal. But let me tell you what else I get out of it, especially in light of, um, well, COVID protocols. You can create a quarantine room mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I use it for. Um, well, it, we used to make asbestos containments out of it when I was with the DOD, man. I mean, it's you, you're doing that's you, what you, you use. You're an asbestos worker, you've already strung up a ton of that. Absolutely, you could create if you had someone in your family who's real sick. And this really came out when we started sending all the Ebola patients to Omaha. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, we did. You know, I know that scared a lot of people in the community. Did you, you should did you happen to walk around in every hardware store in town and go look for uh, P100 and N95 masks? <laughs> They were wiped out when they were bringing the Ebola patients here that, you know, and Omaha is the only group that cured. And so that's a lot to be said for our medical community here in our community of how in that containment thing that they've got going on at uh, Nebraska medicine is just phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's like DOD level Mm -hmm. department of defense level, but you couldn't find a respirator. I would encourage everybody to go out and get a respirator for everybody. What Mm -hmm. if Yellowstone decides to burp a little bit? There's going to be ash all in the air. Hopefully mm-hmm. not enough that we all got to move. Right. But if a little bit of ash comes out, remember when that happened in Iceland not long ago, about probably five or six years ago, airline traffic in all of Europe was shut down for almost two months. Mm-hmm. People had ash all over their cars. They were breathing it. And that's little micro shards of glass. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to have a, 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 a respirator. At least an N95 or something one. like that. Yeah. Actual, an actual face now, ceiling. my family, we all have full face masks with the whole 3M filters mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that. But, you know, I'm a little over the top with everything. Well. But uh, I got have to got, got to have my razor on standby. <laughs> ain't going to do much good with all this facial hair. It ain't going to work, right? You know that. Right. Uh, and all of our safety folks know that. You got to be yeah. clean shaven. But, you know, if that happens, at least I have them. Mm-hmm. And they've all been fitted. And I know that it works on them. And I did fit test with them. I just use bananas, mm-hmm. you know, and see if they could detect the odor, like banana oil type of thing. But uh, respirators a big thing. That's a good initial purpose. That, that is an interesting point, man. Because I what think, about all these forest fires? That well, come I was going to say, yeah, we, we, we see so much particulate here. in the air from fires, yeah. from forest fires. How long ago was wasn't it Mount St. Helens that erupted? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in our lifetimes, sure. I think it was early 80s. Early 80s. That sounds yeah. about right. And uh, there were all sorts of air quality warnings. And in some parts of the country, couldn't go outside. Yeah. I'd pick up some respirators for the entire family. That's a great point. You know, have those on standby. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to have them hanging out in the living room for everybody to see. Just tuck them away and mm-hmm. set aside. Um, what about like um, one thing that has always concerned me is having adequate um, prescription medications and things on hand. Now that's a, that is by far the toughest thing Mm -hmm. to do. Number one, it's a controlled substance, right? So it ain't like you can just go on down to the store and pick this stuff up. Not like aspirin or ibuprofen. Yeah. Well, you can definitely pick up those. It would be good to have probably, but you know, there are methods there and you know, I don't want to go too far down this road. I will just say that there's a lot of medicines that people don't take mm-hmm. they get them prescribed and then they have leftovers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, i will tell you that the united states navy that. went and tested all of their medications that were beyond the uh expiration date and found out that even 10 years after the expiration date they still had like 97 percent potency no kidding yeah and so, like, I, you know, my parents are in their 70s. Mm-hmm. They obviously are heavily invested into the 
healthcare field sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, because of their age. And there are some things that my mom just, when she's done with them or doesn't take them, she puts them in the fridge and then I go see her every now and then. Mm-hmm. Let's just leave it at that. Yep. It's a great idea, man. That's something that concerns me, actually. Well, I have an 85 year old mother. Those are the people that are going to be in the most need. Right. Like insulin. Yes. Oh, I mean, that's uh, it would really be rough if our, we already saw what supply chain issues are doing and have done to yes. us uh, recently. Most definitely. Think about if things really just go awry, mm-hmm. you know, and unfortunately, I think was like 95% of our pharmaceuticals come from Asia. I know. Yes. And so that really puts us in a precarious it became position. Yeah. Glaringly apparent that we were. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a topic a lot of people don't talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's something that would be of serious concern. Yeah. Um, it is to me. And one thing that I like to do as far as training, and it gives me ideas of what to do. I hate to say this because I'm not a big television kind of guy, but if I'm watching television, it's usually to learn something. Mm-hmm. And so I am a big fan of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Not because of the zombies. I don't really care about the stupid zombie thing. <laughs> right. I really don't. You're not afraid of no stinking but you know zombie. What I, what I do get out of the show? The struggle. Mm-hmm. The struggle for survival. The hardship. The, the, the relationships, the emotional wear and tear. Uh, you're, you're talking about that, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the daily stoic? Mm-hmm. You might end up being the stoic one out of all. Mm-hmm. And whether you're prescribing to Greek philosophy like that or you're looking to the Holy Bible and Proverbs, you're going to need something to help get people through. Right. And you might have to be the champion of that person that is that person that's providing and protecting because why you have thought about it ahead of time and prepared. That's an interesting comment, man. Yeah. That is really interesting that you say that. And, and um, un- unlike you, I do watch TV just for entertainment at times, stupid crap, but I occasionally my wife will come in and I'll be watching something like bear grills or something. Oh, sure. And um, I ask myself, <laughs> could I do that? Mm. If I was put in a position where I had to, yeah, could I eat the grubs? You know, could I, could I force myself to do things that I'm typically uncomfortable with? Right. And you, you ask yourself, you wonder sometimes, what am I going to do when things get tough? Right. I mean, we've kind of pussified America. We've all gotten weak and soft and dependent. You got to drill. Well, you need to be under stress from time to time, right? Right. So uh, sometimes we want to pretend that our kitchen is not operational. So we want a can over an open fire. You saw my cowboy kitchen outside. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's impressive. That's Very probably cool. the best $500 I ever spent. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it was custom made from a guy in, in Hastings that delivered over to the house. It's basically a tractor tire rim with the guts cut out with some rebar in the bottom. Open grate for a fire pit. Right. But then I could put a charcoal tray in it with a pivoting grill over it. And I could take all of that out. And I've got a tripod that will have a cowboy kitchen Thing. Yep. So I've got ability to be able to cook and process food when the mm-hmm. propane tanks or the smoker wood is no longer available. Mm-hmm. So I can still do that. But you got to practice. Now, you talk about watching Bear Gorillas. I actually had the great fortune of running into a guy named Cody London. Mm-hmm. And you might recognize him. He was on, I think it was like Dual Survivor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the one who had Which the one? ponytails that never wore the shoes. Okay, he wasn't the ex-military guy. No, he, he was the, the, the uh, aborigineist guy. guy. Yes, yes. Aborigine dude. Remember the I show. I ran into him up at Deadwood, and I was telling my wife, I said, I know that guy. I think I know that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. He was barefooted. And she goes, well, I don't know where you know him from, but he ain't wearing no shoes. And I'm like, <laughs> "That's the guy." I don't know him. He's famous. He's on a show. And so he came up the hill. 
and uh, with the group that he was with and had his dog with him. And I was telling him I really enjoyed his work. And he was like, you need to come out to my Aborigine survival camp out in uh, Arizona. And I was like, man, I'm almost 50 years old. I can't do that. <laughs> right. He goes, I'm not, I'm the same age. I do it. I'm like, you've been doing it your whole life. Mm-hmm. So uh, sometimes I question whether or not I can do that as well mm-hmm. on some of those types of things. But, you know, I got this little kit that I brought with me and this is basically a gunshot trauma kit. Uh-huh. And so I keep it with me. It's on my everyday carry bag, not the same kind that you talked about, but, a right. different. but you know, I got uh spotting clot stuff in here. Right. Yep. yep. Uh, tourniquets. Tourniquet. Oh yeah, uh, man. Uh, here's the tourniquets. And I also got the uh, sucking chest wound flapper things. Yep. You got to so, cover it. Yeah. So cover it to keep that, uh, that pneumothorax, that tension pneumothorax from right. coming in and creating a, a, a bubble in between the, the lungs and the ribs, which will start to collapse lungs. Mm-hmm. So you got to cover that up. But it's not just getting the gear, it's having the materials you gotta know how to of use. how to do it. And this is right. way beyond first aid that we get at work. Right. So you got to invest your time to be that learner. Right. You kind of got to want it. You know, when we first started out of here, some of the folks that work here were talking about people that they knew that were really into this type of preparedness stuff. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, I bet that that person is a parent and they feel an obligation. They have the time, they have the talent, they have the energy. And they just want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's kind of like a calling. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want all of our safety professionals out there that watch this podcast to just gravitate beyond just workplace safety. Let's just be total safety professionals. Totally. At home, uh, at work, in yes. every aspect of your life, you know. Yeah. We, should, we shouldn't label it safety. We should just label it life yeah. or work. And that's and what a lot it just of people, needs to be done safely. And they come to you for not just safety knowledge. They come for you for life coaching. Mm-hmm. To some degree. You know, I mean, and I'm not saying that I got it all together. I got that, a lot but... of things in my life that are screwed up too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you know. That's another episode. But yeah, that's a different episode. But there are certain things that I do do and I do well. And one thing that my wife had said to me years ago, I've been doing this at a semi-pro level probably seriously since 2012. So I'm at 10 year mark mm-hmm. of just, this has been my hobby mm-hmm. and, and what I do. And it's like you said, you just nip away at it and nip mm-hmm. away at it. It's not, you're not just going to go fill the shopping cart and get all this done. Right. Uh, and it, especially the learning aspect of it. But what the one comment that just really made me swell with pride is when my wife says, you know, it's one thing I love about you doing this is this is one less thing that I have to worry about. Yeah. Wow. So I feel that role of preparing and providing and protecting, mm-hmm. and she can concentrate on nurturing, mm-hmm. educating, because she's a teacher, right? and caring and healing. Mm-hmm. Right. All of us have a role that we fulfill in different aspects of our life, whether it's professionally or personally. Try not to spread yourself so thin and then shine in the things that you do do. Mm-hmm. We're talking about your son and what he was going to major in. Mm-hmm. He's going to shine because mm-hmm. he's so thirsty and eager to learn. No doubt. <laughs> yes. You know, and so he I is. really enjoyed I, that conversation. I've been really fortunate. Both of my boys, um, to some degree, unlike me, at least at their age now, are very intellectually curious. You know, they want to learn. They seek out knowledge it's you know they have their trivial moments when they're doing mindless you know things like all of us do sure but the majority of their time is spent actually like learning stuff and i've been really impressed by that and pleased by that because you know we have 
big boy conversations and they're just young men. And yeah. I know when I was their age, I was not having really intellectual thoughts. No, frankly, man, I was worried know. about skip, how can I skip out of class <laughs> yeah. here? Who's going to get out of class? Yeah. Go have a beer. And yeah. where's uh, the party tonight? Where's, yeah, that stuff. And they, they just, you know, they, they don't do that. They've kind of risen beyond that, well, which has been very like pleasing. There's a, well, there certainly has been an acceleration in maturation. Yes. Uh, in this world and this generation being cast into things so much earlier and so much more seriously yes. uh, than we were. And, and the access to information, oh, it's unprecedented. And like you talked about, all of this stuff is available to be learned. I know you're a student of this. I am. You spend a lot of time learning and honing your craft. But I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and I love to I go to some of the outdoor survival type um channels yeah uh i've always been fascinated by the edc channels like the the former military guys who talk about survival yeah who talk about gear who talk about preparation um i envy their knowledge mm -hmm. you know and uh, I, they're really interesting and, and they've spent a lifetime doing it and it's who they are and most of us don't have that luxury i, I i'm kind of halfway in between mm -hmm. uh i'm not really that hardcore but it is something that a lot of people look at me and go he does this pretty mm -hmm. pretty seriously even the sheriff knows mm -hmm. and uh he he's like all for it you know he goes i know where i'm coming you ever thought about like teaching classes in it have you ever done anything like that or is that just beyond the no, your time frame you know i just I don't even know where I would begin. You know, mm -hmm. people, I've had people ask, ask me to come to like church youth groups mm -hmm. uh, because of that motivational aspect of it. And also to kind of do some skill stuff. Uh, a couple of people that I hang out with actually work with the boy scouts mm -hmm. and, and the girl scout uh, uh, groups. Uh, and so that, you know, I, I would do that. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't really know where to start. I thought about maybe doing the green screen. I got the green screen and the cameras and all mm -hmm. that and everything that we see here. And then I'm just like, I'm just not all into the whole get on the yeah with camera. But like you watch a lot of YouTube and as mm -hmm. a learner, but you learn to do this, host an mm -hmm. incredible podcast mm -hmm. with such a variety of great guests. I mean, I watch them all. Thank and you. And I, I love the fact, even though you were, uh, was the folks, you were like the CRT, mm -hmm. uh, those inspections that they get recommended. I learned a lot in that little short mm -hmm. uh, one right there. It was very informative. That, good. And so, uh, you know, you're honing this craft. By helping people in many ways. Well, I, I nobody enjoys it more than me because I get to sit here and listen and learn. It has, you know, I mean, it, it started off very altruistic. I wanted to pass on information. Yeah. I wanted to make it in available, but now it's become very selfish because I learned so much, you know, <laughs> sitting across the table from people. Yeah. And then I take it out into my consulting world and well, before we share, run out of time, you know, are you, we, are we running up on the we hour? Probably got about five minutes. I don't know. Okay. You have to ask Cam, but, um, <laughs> there is an aspect of your life that I would like you to, if you can, uh, talk mm -hmm. about, and that's what you do to prepare yourself physically for mm -hmm. going to Aaron's facility. Oh yeah. Well, that's an interesting so, point. Because man. that's important too. We just can't be couch potatoes. There's going to be a right. time where we might actually have to walk into town for two miles yeah. and carry stuff back and forth, right. or ride that bicycle. We haven't gotten out of the garage in 10 years. You keep yourself no physically doubt, fit. And, I, and I what do you to. get out of that? And, and what drives you? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. I think originally what drove me was a lack of self-confidence. Mm. You know, I was always, I always had low self-esteem as a young person. I was always very um, intimidated as a young person, kind of the old Joe Weider kick sand in the, you know, and I started, 
I started going to the gym and lifting weights, um, physical fitness in like junior high school. Yeah. None of my friends did. None of my peers did. But for whatever reason, my insecurities drove me to that. And so I've done that my entire life. I'm 63 and I've been a way of life for you. It it is a lifestyle, but what you commented on going to Aaron's place, you know, Aaron is the proprietor of mid America martial arts. And I think a lot of people look at martial arts with a bit of um, not disdain necessarily, but a lot of people that are not part of that world look at the martial arts world as um, I don't know, questionable, perhaps. I I don't know. Maybe they don't understand it. Well, they certainly don't understand it. But I go to Aaron's gym, and it is is purely about um, mental preparedness. You know, I mean, it is... It's a physical endeavor. Sure. You know, we work out, we exercise, we, he teaches different techniques and different, you know, self-defense concepts and balance, balance, just, you know, that mental awareness, how to deal with just much like preparing people for a spill. Yeah. You know, it's, it's mental and physical. And, but what I get out of it is camaraderie, you know, it's a great bunch of people. So it's a community, you know, it's a great group of people. Sure. Um, a little bit of self-confidence, you feel better about your preparedness, your level of preparedness. Well, when I was going through the Brazilian Mm Jiu-Jitsu aspect of the Mm -hmm. Air Martial Academy, because that's what we learned, ground fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, 95% of all fights end up on the ground. And how are you going to subdue someone on a plane? And on a plane, you ain't got no room. room, room. So we just did this for weeks upon end. But really what it was was to go ahead and let's go and do it and get it over with. Mm -hmm. And so get yourselves where you're being dominated. And we constantly watched UFC fighting Mm -hmm. on how to get out of these bad spots. Right. And if I can practice being put in a bad spot and practice on getting out of it. And my fight partner was six foot three. <laughs> Big dude. And he hated fighting me and I hated fighting him. Uh-huh. He goes, I hate fighting Chris because I can't get him. <laughs> right. He's right. so squirrely and he gets out of everything. Yeah. But at the same time, I hated fighting him because I couldn't even get to him without him knocking me out because right. of reach. But it's these adversities in these spur of the moment types of things that we have to prepare ourselves right. for. And I think you get that out of the middle of arts mm-hmm. because you you get confronted with certain situations and you got to think quickly and it needs to be kind of muscle memory. You put yourself in a stressful position. Yeah. When some guy's trying to pound your ribs flat or something, you know, you, you put yourself under stress so that if, and when the situation is real, you just don't panic. You don't freeze. You don't come apart. Maybe you're not going to react the way you would like to, but the hope is that you don't freeze. Right. And it's just like why we, I mean, you know, going back to the occupational world, People ask me, but do I have to do tornado drills? Do we have to do fire drills? Wine, wine, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, actually, according to OSHA, you don't have to do those drills. But if you don't do those drills, don't be surprised when your people don't do it right. Right. Under a real situation. Only a smidgen of the people at the company are picking up the emergency action plan and reading it. Yeah. So how do they truly get it? You walk them through it. You have to walk them through through it. it. You have to. Every school in this area does it. Absolutely. And the fire marshal shows up for it. Why? Because yeah. it's critically important. Yeah. And I hope our employers are really practicing these things yes. and look at the various emergencies that you've anticipated. And on top of that, which is a different topic for a different day, 
how are you going to do business the next day? What's your business continuity plan? Mm -hmm. What's your backup plan if your building's not there right. tomorrow? Right. And so that's another thing. And this is all preparing, thinking of things before they happen. Uh, Gordon Graham is my favorite risk management guy on this. Mm, yeah. And his thing is, what will we do if this happens? Mm -hmm. You fill in the thises. Yeah. What thises are out there? Mm -hmm. What will you do if this happens? And depending on where you are, there are some certainly some likely this is that could happen. Sure. And here, you know, we have winter weather emergencies mm -hmm. that happen too that they don't deal yeah. with in the south, but they've got hurricanes down there. So every geographical area's got mm -hmm. their own. They got their issues. Yeah. So it's, I know we did a lot of personal uh preparedness stuff here today, but that's also where it starts, sure, right? Yeah. I mean, really. it should if it starts at home and then it can extend into the workplace. As you said, man, this is not an eight to five subject. No, you know, this is not something that goes away when you leave the workplace. Right. You'll sleep better at night knowing that you've mm -hmm. actually talked to your family about what we're going to do in a, in a fire or if somehow things go chaotic and we all go different directions to get out of this house. Obviously, we're all going to be freaked out as everybody out and hopefully mm -hmm. emergency services. So but where's the rally point for the family? Mm -hmm. Where are we going to meet? We've got rally points for work. Right. Where's the rally point for the family? I think that's a great point, man. And don't say, oh, I'll just text them on their phone because it probably got left in the bedroom. Right. Yes. So well, my, mine will. Just little things like that, you know. But, yeah, that's another topic that we should talk about at some point, too, because <clears throat> I can remember coming back from the OSHA Training Institute after having taken the uh, fire protection course and the um, emergency action planning course. And <clears throat> I got home. I was so terrified after that course. <laughs> I bought about eight new, you know, fire extinguishers for my house, smoke detectors, and we practiced about 11 at night. One night, my boys are upstairs asleep. I hit the fire alarm over and over and over until they finally came out. <laughs> and then we, you know, we rallied out across the street to the neighbor's driveway and we did all those things and yeah. they looked at me like I was an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but. I slept better. Well, they're probably going to thank you. I slept better. Because right? they're going to do it with their kids, hopefully. Well, we hey. just moved my kid into an apartment up in Chicago, and we went to Target, and I bought him a fire extinguisher. Well, there you go, man. You know I mean? <laughs> they showed him how to use it. If he showed him how to use it, it. Yeah. yep. Well, we did have tragic news in our community this week. We had a house in the Millard area where it seems to be a carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, I saw that, man. And uh, I believe that it was the male members of the house that had succumbed to it, and the mom had come home. I'm just kind of hearing early reports. Mm -hmm. She went in to try to rescue and then got overcome herself. These are all emergencies, y'all. Yeah. And carbon monoxide. I think you did a podcast on it. Uh, you were in a hotel it. or something, yeah. maybe in Maui or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, uh, <laughs> right. uh, you know, like you said, safety never stops. It never stops. Especially man. when are, you're in an unfamiliar environment. Exactly. Concepts that they, they don't, they transcend the workplace. Yeah. Something we got to think about all the time, brother. This is fab fabulous. Thank you for bringing all of your stuff. Well, this isn't even beginning to scratch the surface of all your stuff, but bringing a sample of some of your stuff. Sure, yeah. What I like most is that you're a student. Yeah. That you are learning all the time. The books and literature are fantastic. The ideas are important. Everybody should be thinking about preparedness. You know, whether they go to this extent, they do something else, whatever that is, just... I'm going to probably swing by and pick up some water bottles this <laughs> afternoon when I'm out and about. Oh, so. And I could use a little bit more... You know, I always buy extra cases of like bottled water. Yeah. Put them in my basement. 
And then my wife uses them for something. And I come downstairs and they're gone. I'm like, God damn it. You know, but I got to go buy more water. Yeah. Well, but she won't take those big five gallon blue. Jugs. She won't take those. They'll stay there. But everybody should get started this weekend. Right? I think so. That's what this month's all about. And our, 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 uh, our leaders uh, have set up a lot of information for us and within this country. This has been an ongoing thing for years and years and years mm -hmm. and years. And every year they do this, and it's the month for it. And I figured, what a, what a great way to kick off September and have a, yeah. have a discussion together over it and maybe help some folks out there maybe start planning a few things that they could do too. Well, in typical fa in, in in uh, typical fashion, I was going to say maybe in the, in the fashion that we have established, Chris Bryan is prepared. Are you? Let's leave go. it at that. Thanks, man. Oh, have a welcome. great weekend. It's always good to see you. You too. Um, you're going to have to be one of the five people I hang around with because I always leave happy after we've spent well, time together. Go, so man. thanks, everybody. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Think about how prepared you are if you're ready. If not, get started. It's time to get started. Cam, get started, brother. Have a good weekend. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. A Huda Media Production.